You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more. Hello there, it's Gina Gardner here, and I'm joined once again by Rachel Davis, the author of The Point of Me. Thank you so much for joining us, and very pleased to be on Passionate World Radio. Our theme today is about whether within relationships you should settle for second best. I work a lot with couples and so many couples come to me where their marriages or their partnerships are are feeling pretty rocky. And there are certain situations when it's very easy to put things in place which bring those uh, relationships to a place of, of joy and shared appreciation. But there are times when you think, I don't think this is going to work and maybe it's time to walk away. And so today what we're going to be doing is exploring what are the things, what are the values that people have that bring them together or break them apart. And if you think about your own relationship, think about those uh, things which give you great happiness and, and joy, how often you laugh together, whether that your partner is supportive of you and how supportive you are of them. What are the things that actually start to cause trouble? And I'd say there's some really common themes. The first for me is whether your values actually match and values are things like trust, fidelity, happiness. Um, They can be kindness. There can also be things around family, sex, money, whether you're going to have children and how you're going to bring them up. So relationships are fraught with challenges when there's a mismatch or when both partners are not fully committed to actually making it work. Relationships do take time and attention. If you've got very, very young children or you've got a demanding family and a job, sometimes it's very difficult to find time to be a couple and to actually invest in that relationship. But I think it's incredibly important. So, should you settle for second best? When's the time to work on things and make them better? And when's the time to say, enough's enough and it's time to part? And in another uh, programme, we're going to be um, exploring the whole issue of of post-breakup. But today it's about staying together. It's about making the best of your relationship. So, Rachel. Hi, Gina. Hi there. Thanks for joining me today. It's lovely to be here. What do you think? Well, um, I, like I guess a lot of people listening to this, have got experience of a relationship breakdown and, and therefore a marriage breakdown. Um, and I will say straight off that um, it, it's never an easy path, as, as that's... As that, um, to, to use an emotive term, I suppose, but as that love starts to leak out of a relationship. And for me, um, although I don't want to go into too many personal details, but for me, I know that it was decades-long process of of slowly coming to realise that, um, that the man that I had apparently fallen in love with when I was younger was not the man I wanted to be with anymore. And it was very, very hard for me. And... 
it it pricked a lot of all of my duty glands, so to speak, because I've been brought up to you know keep your promises, uh, to to uh, push through all the hard stuff and um, do your duty. But at the end of the day, um, although I tried to stay in it and stay present and worked hard to explain to him where my thinking was, how my values were changing. Um, for instance, there was there was a particular point in in our relationship where he he um, was quite fearful about my, the direction I wanted to take in terms of the stuff I wanted to do and the concepts I was exploring and and um, the fact that I was getting um, more interested in spirituality and dealing with my own sort of coming middle age type of thing. And he said, "But um, I never I never stopped you from doing any of that." And I had to turn to him and say, "But but neither did the bloke down the road." <laughs> because for me, a, a relationship has to be about both partners standing equally together, uh, separately, uh, you know, not, not sort of entwined strangely with one another, but, but standing together and working together at things and walking down the same path with one another. And, and, and he had a slightly different view, and I think that happens a lot in relationships, where the actual schism, the actual sort of break is is at first quite minute, quite hairline, really, but over time. So from my perspective, I worked hard to try to make it be what I wanted to be, but constantly failed, possibly because I was terrible at doing it and didn't have the techniques. Um, <clears throat> and I got to a point where I thought, I, I can't settle anymore, I, I, I can't. You know, you have those cliche, cliches where you, your children have left home, they, they've been living with the marriage that, that so they walk out into the world and they think marriage is that, you know, that experience that they've had with, with the pair of you. And then you look at one another in, in your empty nest syndrome and you think, good grief, I've got another 20, 30 years <laughs> and no children to distract me. So yes, there was a definite point for me where I thought, no, I, I, I have only got this one life and I will live it. And although it was terribly, terribly hurtful for everybody, for me to speak my truth, it was very, very relieving for me. Yeah. I think what I'd like to explore with our listeners is your story is replicated, I would mm. think, very commonly, that people start off believing that they are right for one another for whatever reason, and one partner will grow in a, at a different rate or in a different direction, and that's really difficult because the, the shift becomes bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's like a big tanker that just goes a tiny bit off course yes. and eventually ends up in a completely different part of the world. <laughs> but I think there are things that people can do in the first instance to actually minimise the risk of that, and I think mm. it's worth exploring that. And then at those first signs, because there will have been signs, there are things that one can do that can help I have to say that both partners need to be fully engaged in that. It's, you know, one person on their own cannot fix a relationship. Yeah. But it's perfectly possible if both people want to make it work yes. and are prepared to put the effort in yes. that you can turn the tank around so long as it's not gone too far. Yes, it's it's almost as if if you've got both people equally saying, yes, I'm committed to this, I need to put the work in, then then you've got half, maybe even three quarters of the problem, you know, whatever the Absolutely. specifics are solved. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let's look at this, and if we do it sort of sequentially, it, you know, when people are in their their first flush of of love, mm-hmm. um, when the hormones are on the rampage, yeah. it's very common that people assume that because they're attracted to somebody, mm-hmm. and that there's that physical freeze on between them, yeah. that actually this is the one. Yeah. And I find so often when I'm working with people, and I would put them into to a, a few different categories. Those people who have broken relationship after broken relationship, yeah. where this is the one, and then very quickly things break down. Right. And for those people, I would say, you are the common denominator mm. in every relationship that you have. Mm. So if you have a history of you know, one broken relationship after another, where to start with it looks perfect and then it quickly um, falls apart, I would suggest you look at your own behaviours. And so, for example, I've had clients where when they first meet somebody, they're looking for somebody really strong who's going to um, sort their lives out for them, that they can lean on. And then they're attracted to people who tend to be controlling and who want things done their way and then they find that incredibly restricting. Now I think it's important to say I don't want to make huge sweeping um, generalizations but you know if you're listening to this one of the things I would say is think about whether some of these things actually fit your circumstance because in any relationship both people have a responsibility. It's never all one person's fault. No, I totally agree with that. It, it, it's at the end, at the end of everything, you can only control you. Absolutely. As much as you'd love to be able to sort of change that person's opinion, change their behaviour, make them see something, you know, make them remember to always do those whatever's really annoying you the opposite of or whatever but no the only person you're in control of is is yourself and that's really interesting because so often I hear from clients that I liked them but there were things that irritated Mm -hmm. me or didn't fit but I thought I could change that yeah and I think if people recognize that not only you're the only person you have control over yeah you cannot change another person Mm. however when you change your behaviors that has an impact on other people and Often, though not guaranteed, yeah. their behaviours will change. Yeah. But it's not that you're changing them, it's no. you're changing you. No. And there's a sort of a subtler subtext of that, which is there were some things about them that irritated me, but I thought I could cope with it. Yes. There's that aspect too. And then and then time goes on and you realise, no, <laughs> and I, I misunderstood myself. <laughs> it's interesting because we all have this map or this directory of what we think love should look like. Uh-huh. And we feel loved when we receive it in this particular shape. Yes. The trouble is everybody's got a different map or a different directory. Yes. And, it, you know, it's very interesting for me. There is a gender difference between the way in which women view, uh, in general, it's not exclusively so, but, but very common, mm. that women need emotional support Mm -hmm. they want to talk about stuff endlessly where men want to sort the problem they want to be practical yeah they don't know how to cope with all of the talking and the emotion yeah tell me what to do and i'll fix it and if i can't fix it then they start to feel inadequate. Yes, it, it's the classic Mars and Venus. Absolutely. <laughs> and, but it goes beyond that, that there are, you know, there are a number of languages of love, if we use the same, mm. um, yeah. the, the, the same 
uh, principles. And one of the things that I found most successful, and you can do it for yourself, is to sit down and initially create a list of your values, both of you, mm. and just give yourself 10 minutes, no more, mm. and list all of the things that are really, really important to you. Yes. And then look at that list and decide what's negotiable mm. and what's not. Yeah. Then start to compare your lists. Now, it doesn't matter if they're different if you're actually having this conversation. Yes. Because what you do with this list is, let's say, let the most common one people say when they're talking about a loving relationship, maybe something um, around trust. Yes. Yep. And that's very, very important. Yep. And it's difficult for relationships to come back from where there's been an infidelity for example yes or people have told lies yes but when you start to explore what does trust mean for you and what behaviors do you need to experience from the other person in order to be able to trust yes or to feel that you are trusted yes it's in that detail that you start to see where the differences are it really is in the detail. Um, Absolutely. So, so there's the big things like trust around fidelity and, and you know not lying and so on. But there's other things around trust. It's much smaller. Where can I trust you to, to keep my emotions safe? Can I trust you to be kind and gentle with me in those vulnerable moments? It's those that are just tiny, tiny little tick, tick, ticks that happen in a relationship that can slowly harden one another. They're tiny ticks when you think about it those way, in that way, but yeah. actually they, they become blooming great holes they, they really if they're do. not there. Yes. But Thanks. having that conversation early on where you can demonstrate to your partner and to yourself, because remember it's not just about what your partner's doing. No. You have to then think about how you're behaving. Yes. And it's... For me, it's all about language. Mm. So in any relationship, there are three languages. Right. There's mine, and what I understand by the words that I use. Yep. And I think it's important to recognise it's not just words, it's body language, because you can be saying something with your mouth and your body (laughs) is saying something entirely different, and also your tone of voice. So, oh, thank you. tone of voice. Oh, that's lovely, thank you. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> and we I I again I don't want to generalize but women are generally speaking much better at using words as weapons. Yes. And also very sensitive to those those subtler um expressions. I would often have to have this conversation which went why are you speaking to me like that? And the, and the answer from, from him would be, I just said. And he meant, the words I said weren't offensive. And I would say, the manner in which you said those words felt well, offensive to me. Yeah. <laughs> and and being, being, I mean, you know, just being sort of gender stereotypical for, for a second to make the point, but his male brain didn't get why, when he had said those words in that particular tone, that possibly in the moment had been like a careless just lack of attention rather than any malicious intent behind it, my brain had said, why is he being so aggressive to me? And that's a really good point because what happens is we get triggered by old stuff. So often it's tone of voice. I can remember a a couple that I was working with Uh where they were really struggling. They'd been married for about four years, so not 
long. Oh, no. um, and they were at times very, very close, and then there would be a, a situation, they'd have an argument, and it would take them weeks to get back on track. Right. And when we it boiled down to it, she used a tone of voice that was his mother, and he had a very poor relationship with his mother. Right. And when he didn't do what she wanted when she wanted, she had a tone of voice that took him straight back to being a very unhappy child. Right. And so, actually, she was completely oblivious. Yeah. She was just using her... She was a, a senior manager. She was just using her senior manager voice <laughs> and expecting him to do yeah. um, her bidding as one of her underlings. Um, and he found that very, very difficult. Mm. His weapon was to withdraw. Yes. So when she upset him, he would emotionally withdraw and sometimes physically withdraw, right. which triggered her stuff because yes. she'd been sent to boarding school and felt that she'd been abandoned. Right. So that's a fairly dramatic example, and I'm using that because you can see it very clearly. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately... You know, looking at the words that you use, when in communication, research says that the words we use are only about 7%. Mm. Tonality is 30-something percent, and yeah. body language, 50-something percent. Yes. I'm reminded of working with a couple, and they were saying, you know, I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. He was rude to me, and I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And he said, yes, but you flounced outside the door and you slammed it. Mm -hmm. You were <laughs> shouting at me. Exactly, I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's taking responsibility. Yes for how you behave, what you say, what you don't say, yeah. how you say it, how you, the, the, whole, um, the whole package comes. And being aware, and most people will live completely blissfully unaware of what their triggers are. Yes. You'll have heard me say 95% of our behaviours and our language are habitual. Mm. We don't think about them at all. They're just what we do. Yeah. And getting couples particularly to start to be mindful about how they are operating as an individual and mm. as a couple yes. is the first big step. Yes. So looking at values, and there are certain values that have the capacity to destroy a marriage very easily. Yes. If you have different values around money, for example, yep. where one will spend, 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 and the other finds that being in debt is a huge problem yep. for their sense of security, yep. it's a huge problem. Yes. If you've got one who wants children and the other who doesn't, yeah. it's very hard to see a way where you can actually find a way forward. Yeah. And, you know, one couple where the, the guy was desperate for children, the woman was very career-minded, yes. and her suggestion of, an, of, the, of the way forward was to get a dog. Okay. That did not satisfy his no. need to have no. children. No. But they were seven or eight years into a marriage, it's the first time they were talking about it. Yes. And you, yeah. know, you can understand how his desperate need to have children. And one might expect it to be the other way around. Well, I was going to say... But it isn't always. No, no, of course not, no. And, um, and actually, the more that, um, uh, as women go out there and really sort of push our, our way out into the world, um, the issue of children can become really quite, quite a... A problem, isn't it? Because we're all delaying it slightly longer, and because we have to go live first and do exciting yes. things, and and then yeah, this sudden, sudden thing of oh, we've got a great life. Our children going to come along? Yeah, it can be really quite divisive. Yes. Another really great source of difficulty is families, the in-laws and outlaws, 
and the pressure <laughs> that those can put on a, a relationship because there's an expectation from one side of the family that you'll go every Sunday for lunch and yep. that you'll be at mother's beck and call. Yes. Um, and, you know, creating a situation where people see um, that there are different ways to deal with that rather than resenting. Yes. Um, and yes. the trouble with resentment is it grows. It starts off little but it takes on a life of its own. Yeah. And it can be really corrosive in yes. the end. Yes. You know, uh, another couple I was working with that they had a difficulty. They'd used um, the wife's mother right. um, for childcare, for, um, you know, a whole range of things. She'd been incredibly helpful. Yes. But at the same time, the husband found it very difficult, the mm. close relationship that the daughter and mother had, okay, yeah. um, that she had been bereaved about a year before. Oh, so. And so there was another dimension that the daughter wanted to support her mum. Yes. But he found that it was really challenging. Yes, yes. And it had become bigger and bigger. And what we talked about is how well did he know the mother-in-law? Mm. I mean, at one level, you can't have it both ways. If they're providing all of that help and support, then, yeah. you know, it. there is a, some sort of payback, really, in terms of that. Yes. Uh, yeah, there really is. You can't have it both ways, can no, you? Well, no. you shouldn't expect to have it both ways, put no, it that way. No. But what we talked about is how well did he know her? Mm. That when she came... It was usually to do a job. Yeah. They rarely um, had interaction, which was yeah. purely relationship with one person to another. And so yes. I suggested to him, his homework, if you like, I'm good at giving homework, <laughs> was that... The teacher in Eugenia. I know. I and you, you can take the teacher... Well, we won't go there. So I suggested to him that he invited mother-in-law mm. to Sunday lunch mm. just to come for Sunday lunch, not mm. to do the ironing, not to sort the kids out, not to do no. anything, but to come no. for Sunday lunch. Yeah. That he talked to his wife, and his wife had sent him to me, uh, quite unwillingly to start with, but okay. hope, thankfully he engaged in well, the process. Well, coming, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and said to him, she is your most prized guest. Yeah. your job, your homework, is to find out about this woman, mm. to actually start to make a relationship which is not about uh, him, her being his mother-in-law, but about her being a person. Yes. The lunch went very well, and it okay. could have gone two ways, but it yes. went very well, and he started to, to ask her about her upbringing and her childhood, and mm -hmm. she'd been in the Land Army, and she had yeah. all sorts of interesting stories. Yeah. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that everything was all right after one Sunday lunch. No. But it started a process. And the process Human was connection. recognising yeah. that here was a woman who was lonely, mm. who loved her daughter and wanted to help, mm. but could be quite bossy. Yes, yes. As they started to deepen the relationship, yeah. it was easier for them to put in boundaries, the couple, yes. that were not seen as divisive or, you know, as not wanting me, yeah. because they would make it very clear, this is, we, we're going to, we want to see you for you, this mm. is not about you working, this is mm. about us being with you. Yes. And then when she came to do the other things, yeah. then it was easier to make a separation so that she didn't stay yes. for three days and, you know, um, yes. get it got just too much yes so at the heart of all of this i would say communication is absolutely key mm. and recognizing as you say that you 
have um, you have the power to control you. Nobody can make you unhappy. No. Nobody can make you angry unless you choose to let them. Yeah. That's a big lesson for a lot of people. Uh, and and it's a hard one to continue to to have to you know in the moment Absolutely. remember yeah. and, and then act upon to find yes. the strength. It's, it's often easier to go with the lower vibrational energies of anger and frustration yes. than to to pull back, to be the bigger person, to to think about the higher. Yeah. Um, but but it's very very important that um, that you're making yourself yes. angry. You're allowing yourself yeah. to go in that direction. Yeah. I think you know we're we're getting towards the end of of this show. But I think one of the things that's really important to make some some real caveats here. Mm-hmm. I don't think aggression and violence are ever acceptable. No. And I from think either if, party, <laughs> where, from wherever, yeah. if you're in a relationship where it has become that toxic, yes, then you owe it to yourself, and if you have children, particularly for your children, to get out, yes, um, and get some help, yes. If you are the person who is finding yourself being aggressive, and aggression is not just about physical violence; it's oh, no. very much about what you say and, and yes, how you behave. Yes, emotional aggression. Then get yes. some help because, yeah. you know, you're damaging yourself, mm. your relationship and your children. Yeah. And many people stay together because of the children. And I would say to you, you know, having worked as a head teacher for over 20 years, you think you're protecting your children, but they absorb that uh, yes. toxicity. Yes. Um, I, you know, I've known children as young as nine who've got stomach ulcers because right. of the stress. Right. Because parents, in their hurt, will often use the child as the battering ram. Yes, and, and not actually in really obvious ways, no. often in very subtle and therefore possibly more toxic ways. Yes. yes. So I think the first thing is to start, be honest with yourself. Mm. You know, look at your relationship. You know, if there, if you feel that there are ways that you can um, move back together, and that's perfectly possible when both sides, both parties, um, want it to work. Yes. But if things have gone too far, then I think it's time to recognise um, that that's happening, and then look for the most, um, or the, rather, the least damaging way out yes um and you know ultimately you have the choice to stay or not and if you're going to stay then do it with full heart exactly and uh, not a half-hearted absolutely and try not to hold on to those grudges try to work work well grudges are like taking the poison yourself and expecting the other person to to die aren't they but the other thing around this you if you're going to do it wholeheartedly, you know, mm-hmm. people forgiving fidelity, infidelity. Yes. You can't say you forgive them and then keep throwing it up. No, you have to let. You have to really let it go. Throw it down the river. That gone. is a real challenge, and I would say yes. if you're in that situation and you want your marriage to, mm. or your relationship to carry on, it's really helpful to get some help, uh, an independent yes. person who can actually ask the difficult questions yes. without the edge, yes. without it tipping people into that place where they it, respond. In and my limited experience, I would say that um, an individual in that particular environment trying to solve that themselves would have to be extremely skillful, that, that, that they would always need to reach yeah. out and get some sort of help.
and be careful where you get it. You know, True. your best friend is not necessarily, no. um, in this instance, the most skilled. No, definitely um, not an objective counsellor, right. I would say. <laughs> no, the, uh, the, the person needs to be objective. Mm. But if you're in a relationship, and, you know, every relationship can be better, even better. Yeah. You know, this is not just for people who are thinking about breaking up. If you want your relationship to be truly loving and lasting and, you know, for both of you, Think about how you communicate. Yes. Look at the way in which you use words and tone and yes. body language. How often are you triggered by old stuff? Yes. How often are they triggered by you? Yes. You know, talk about what's important. And mm. I would say you need to make time. Yeah. If you're broke, it doesn't have to be expensive stuff. No, no, no. You can have a date night in, you know, yeah. at home. Yes. It's about... Turn off the electric gizmos, turn off the telly, yeah. actually talk. Yes. Because so often marriages these days break down when the kids leave home because people have nothing in common. Exactly, yeah. You know, marriage or partnerships require an investment. It, it, it sounds like such a cliché, but it's, it's a cliché because it's so fundamentally true. Absolutely. <laughs> and the other thing is be playful. Yes. I think lots of people have lost the art of laughing yeah, yeah laughter is one of the most amazing medicines but it also is the glue that people sticks people together you said that right up at the top where one of the values was kindness and humor and i know a person whose whose wife then wife wouldn't let them watch any comedy in the house because she didn't like humor and that's it sad was, it was very it, it was corrosive for him it really was yeah. um i think laughing with one another is one of the most important aspects it shows uh, it shows connection yeah. it shows the understanding of, of a personal point of view yeah and I think we need to make the distinction of laughing with and not at oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but humor and you know compassion showing affection and I think there's a big difference between affection and intimacy and maybe that's the, the theme for another program because mm. we're pretty well run out now mm. but what I would say to you to, you know when, if you're listening to this, what can you say or do to your partner that will give them the gift of recognising that you love them? Mm. And this all starts with you. If you don't love yourself, it's very difficult to love other people unconditionally. Mm. Mm. And I think, you know, the key is about it being unconditional. Not I'll love you mm. if you do this for me or I'll love you if you give me that. Yeah. And maybe that's the theme for yet another programme. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. I wish you all the happiness and love in the world. If you've got any issues you'd like covered, please let us know through the website genuinely-u.com or through the radio show. You can get a free download of my book, Thriving Not Surviving, uh, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. If you go to the website, you can download a free uh, digital copy of the book. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Goodbye and take care. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-you.com today to find out more.